Baby, we are live. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean... It's a little strange, though. Is it? It is, because there's nobody here but me and you. I know. So I'm interested to see how that... And there's no video. Mm-hmm. And so I'm interested to kind of see, like, how it translates to well, the to the glitteratis. To the glitteratis? You act... That's just you. We're a duo. I am a Glenderati, just so you know. Glitter- oh, right. And then we, our fans are the sparklers. Well, some people prefer Glitterati, but if you want to go with sparkler, we can go with sparkler. Oh, I'm sure you got like two DMs on the Glitterati. Oh, my. <laughs> and you're like, some Please. people, you're, that was all the validation it's, it's she needed. It's the imaginary army. <laughs> okay. Welcome to my home. You mean my home. It's neither of our homes. But it is our podcast. Glitter and Gay. Coming your way. So thanks for tuning in today. I would like to start by saying two things. One is we're doing a homemade podcast. No. I went to Best Buy yesterday. I bought us a couple microphones. I downloaded some software. And we are off to the races. Should we tell them what kind of microphones we've got? Because, like, what if the microphone people are like, oh, my gosh. Well, these are very popular microphones. I did some Googling. These yes. are the the Yeti microphones. Okay. And, um, and I've got the black one. And I've got the silver one. I feel kind of like an old school, like, uh, radio guy with like this Like Howard microphone. Stern. He's not that old school. <laughs> He's been around forever, though. That man's had a career. <laughs> Do you know how old Howard Stern is? Well, you know what's interesting about his career? Um, Tom Ferry actually told me about this. When I, 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 I always use Howard Stern as like a reference point. When the first press release came out in The Real Deal that I was the new cast member on Million Dollar Listing, that was back when The Real Deal had a comment section. And these people started commenting these awful things about me. Awful things about me. One said that, how did he get on the show? He almost went to prison for tax evasion. And um, he's a a wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, He's fake. All of his business is fake. And, And I was having a meltdown. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, the show hasn't even aired yet. And people are already going in on me. There wasn't one nice comment. And it was the first time I ever had a one on one call with Tom. And Tom said three things. He was like, firstly, he's like, do you know what Howard Stern is? And I said, yes. And he said, when Howard Stern first started his radio show, you know, he was very controversial. I think he still is sometimes, but I think in his older age, he's become like a little less uh, derogatory in his uh, practice. But, you know, like back in the day, it was like bring women on and degrade them. And uh, there was like a clip floating around recently of his interview of Anna Nicole Smith, where he wanted her to get on a scale. And uh, so he could tell everybody how much she weighed. And uh, and she was like, I'm not getting on a scale. And you could see because she's like a, awkward and like strange in her own way. And you could but you could really feel her emotion. Like, why are you asking me to do this? And he's like, get on the scale. And all of his like buddies were like, get on the scale. And she was like, I'm not getting on the scale. And finally, this guy comes in and like defends her who works for Howard. And he's like, she said she's not getting on the scale. Don't make her get on the fucking scale. And he uh, and he still went for it. He's like, no, get on the scale. Anyway, Tom told me that Howard learned the more people that talked bad about him, the bigger his business got. 
And, and that became like his business model. And then Tom also, this is not related to Howard Stern, but I think about it at the time, Tom was like, let's do a little visualization exercise. He goes, if one of your friends told you that they were the, they leave nasty comments on things online, he goes, would it change your opinion of them? (laughs) Immediately, I was like, oh my God, if I found out any of my friends were internet trolls, I would lose all respect for them. And then... He said, and then he goes, do you think any of your friends are internet trolls? And I was like, no, no. I was like, I would be shocked, maybe. And he said, okay. He goes, now envision one of them. He's like, what do you, what comes to mind when you think of the kind of person who sees a press release or watches a TV show and goes on Twitter and just starts writing all sorts of nasty things about that person? And I was like, oh, I was like, the vision that comes to mind is somebody who is depressed, lonely, sitting in a basement by themselves. The lights are off. The only glow is coming from the computer screen. They're probably drunk or high and just sitting there by themselves leaving these comments. And he goes, that's what I see too. He goes, do you really care what they think? And I was like, oh, that helps. And I was able to release it ever since then. I like, I didn't care about what anybody on the internet says. As a matter of fact, when I see mean comments, I actually don't get that many, but when I see them about other people, there's like part of me that feels like a little bit of compassion for the person who left it. I'm just like, oh, like, I, I hope you find joy and happiness. Like, you know, I hope you find something that pulls you out of the spot where you're sitting at home leaving comments on like reality TV stars on Instagram. You know, I, I was just sitting here thinking, because I have really been taking a lot of heat. Yeah. Lately. Um, I've been taking a lot of heat on the Tinder tips. I've been taking a lot of heat. Um, I posted a video about that I didn't want to take the 6 a.m. flight um, because that meant that I had to get up at 3 a.m., you know, mm-hmm. at a minimum. And that it just wrecked me the whole day. And so many people were just brutally mean on Facebook. Over a 6 a.m. flight? Yeah, because I talked about that my ex-husband wanted to take the 6 a.m. flight because it was cheaper. Mm -hmm. And there was more chance that he could buy the cheapest seat and get upgraded (laughs) than, you know, taking the 9 a.m. flight. And, you know... There's a there were a lot of variables that weren't in um, the video. Number one, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. To get through security in the Atlanta airport in itself is a struggle. It's a struggle, and that's a big ass airport. Well, yeah, and the traffic in Atlanta is a struggle, and these are these are variables that literally can swing from taking you 30 minutes to get through it to taking you an hour and a half to get through it. And the anxiety that that creates, um, you know, that, and I don't want to wake up at three o'clock in the morning because I'm wrecked for the day. And so, um, but I took so much heat. The comments were just so brutal. And I mentioned it to somebody and they were like, where did you post the video? And I'm like, I posted it on Facebook. And they're like, ah, okay, Facebook, that explains it. It's where the boomers can anonymously be mean Mm -hmm. and nobody knows about it. He goes, this is all new to them. Don't worry about it. And 
But real, but what you're saying, what Tom said, very, very uh, accurate. That when I think about somebody saying mean things, and I just finished listening to our season finale of season two. And uh, I talked a little bit about the mean girls. Mm-hmm. And when you were just talking about that person sitting in the basement, the reflection of the computer, saying shit on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or wherever they're saying it, I thought to myself, that's those girls. That's those mean girls. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what their life is really behind the scenes, probably. Yeah. And I just, it was just crazy. So I, I was just sitting here thinking about that. But I, I, I listened. So ju- right before we started this morning, I listened to the season finale. Is that what you were doing in the backyard? I saw yeah. you sitting there. Okay. Yeah. So I want to listen to it. So it's fresh. I listened to the episodes the day they come out mm-hmm. for a couple of different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> because number one, I, I want that like fresh, like yeah. in the moment. I want it to take because we tape them, film them earlier, like in there, and they sit, and then they get released in order. Yeah. And so that when were you in Atlanta? September. Goodness gracious. Yeah, it was. Yeah, September. Okay. So, uh, so I was just taken back to that moment, and just thinking about today, and you know where where we are today, and how the. Just, I just think about the evolution and I think we talked about it. I think I talked to you a little bit about it yesterday. I can't remember about when I'm afraid. And so I was a little bit afraid for this episode that came out today, this season. But what happens when you're afraid? So for me, I was, I was, I get whacked out immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. And I start to doubt myself Mm -hmm. and I start to doubt my confidence and my position and where I am. Am I really here? And do I deserve to be here? And, you know, this is like what happens if somebody like if it all goes away, you know? Yeah, same. And so. And I I said to you, yeah, I think I said to you yesterday, I said, I said, and then I stop. And I turn around and I look where I came from. And I think to myself, wait a minute, I came from here to here. Big distance. I mean, huge, like life changing, life altering, unrecognizable, Mm -hmm. going from here to here, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So when I, whenever I get like caught up in that moment of fear, which is easy to get caught up into, um, like in this morning, when I listened to that, to the podcast, I was thinking to myself, okay, it's a little out there, you know, what are people going to think about it? You know, you know, they're not in my head. They don't understand where it's coming from. And then I was like, fuck it. Like, like it is what it is. Right. And, and you know, and that's the, that's the great thing about the videos that I shoot, the shit that I say, the conversations that I have, the people that I surround myself with, it is what it is. And, and there is very little, um, that 
I'm never emanating from some bad place. I never have like bad intention. I don't even, I feel like, I hope I don't have any selfish intention. I always come from this place. Like I want other people to know that it's okay to be you. Everybody's not going to like you. And, uh, but the people that do will like you even more with you being your true self. 100%. I also think they're picking up the garbage outside right now. And I'm like, as all this, people are going to think we're getting attacked. But this isn't is- the, <laughs> isn't the software called garbage band? Gar- garage band. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) I did not do that. You did. That was good. Okay. Um, So, uh, oh, God, I just lost my train of thought. The um, uh, one thing when I when my first season was airing, you know, kind of like these podcasts, I, I do the same thing as you. I listen to them the day they come out. Um, I watch the clips ahead of time, um, like the little social clips that we get. Um, but the but I don't listen to the full episode until it comes out. And that was in Million Dollar Listing. They didn't send us the episodes. We, we saw it with the rest of the world. And so we didn't know what got used because we film hundreds and hundreds of hours and it gets knocked down to like... 10 minutes an episode, you know, and so we never know what makes it, what doesn't. I think that's probably the hardest part of being on the show because we would capture these moments that felt so special or so funny or just, I was like, oh, this is going to be great TV. But then when they go to put the episode together, it just doesn't work in the episode. And I don't find out until it airs. And I, I had this one very authentic moment with a seller of mine um, who was... Uh, we were selling his apartment. His husband had died and, um, and he was very, and it was a very real story. It was very attached to the apartment and he, and I was going through a breakup. This was like 2019 and, uh, and I had just, we had just broken up the night before we were filming and he starts opening up about how he and his husband got together in the eighties And they kind of had to hide their relationship and they were together for like 30 years and then he passed away and he was getting emotional and his husband had died like two or three years prior. And I was heartbroken that day. And, um, and I was like, how long does it take to recover? And I just started sobbing (laughs) on camera and, um, and we have this, this great moment well, when my, and that was in my first season, when the show aired, not only did they cut that scene, that, that entire cellar got cut. And so nobody, nobody ever met him. We probably filmed, gosh, 20 or 30 hours together of staging his apartment, getting it ready, going through his story. Uh, he had a huge art collection and it just, it just didn't work in the, in the time allowed. And so, um, so we filmed all of that and it never made it. Um, but because of that, 
uh, James Harris, who is on the L.A. cast, he and I met. I was in L.A. for vacation. We had never spoken before. And he was like, how was your experience? And I was like, well, it's still airing right now. And I always uh, just find myself a little nervous that I'm going to see something that's embarrassing or really damning or say something. And this did happen a few times where they I said something. I was like, well, I definitely that's not editing. That did come out of my mouth. But hearing it back, I'm like, oh, I was like, that wasn't as cute as you thought it was. Uh, there was this whole moment where I was trying to be cute and talk about how attracted I was to Steve Gold. And I looked like a predator. It wasn't, it wasn't like cute, like, oh, he's so handsome. It was watching it back. And it was back when I was still drinking was like gut wrenching. And, and I took a lot of like heat for that online. But James was like, listen, he's like, it happens to everybody on TV. And one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that audiences are very forgiving. They, you might say something they disagree with, and in the moment, they're out. But he goes, one episode later, they're back to being your fan. You know, he was like, you would think that that one moment defines you. And maybe it's a moment that gets picked up in press or gets shared a lot or like, can you know, like things just go. And I think about it because I'm like, you know, uh, all of our presidents have said regrettable things or things that were just crazy that go viral and then you know they still go on to sell get their big book deals get all of their publicity afterward and you know that's how a president really makes their money is in their post-presidential life and um you know and so it's just interesting like even if i haven't listened to the whole episode about sex i listened to the first half on my way to the gym this morning and I actually thought we were really respectful. I don't know if it takes a turn later. Um, no, 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 no. It wasn't that we were disrespectful or anything. Um, but, like, I am dating. Oh, right. And I guess what's... I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone who has shared their time with me. Yeah. Like... their true intention, their, you know, themselves with me. Yeah. And so I just want to, I thought about it and I I was kind of just replaying in my head and thinking back on, you know, different people. And I just, you know, ultimately, um, you know, I want to be respectful and compassionate and empathetic because I think one thing that kind of dawned on me this morning that I hadn't really thought about in my Tinder tips. I hadn't really thought about in our podcast. I hadn't really thought about in real life and dating is that the way someone treats you is more reflection of them than it is of you. Mm -hmm. And you just don't know where somebody is. Yeah. Um, Where they are in the recovery process from divorce or death or, the loss of a relationship. And so I just want to be compassionate to that. So it's not all fun and games always. And I was just thinking like, if someone was talking about me, what would I want them to say? Yeah. Um, well, so that was, can, can I ask you a question? Well, you're it, gonna, I'm going to ask you a question. 
Right before I hit record on this, you said, oh, I know exactly where I'm taking this episode. I know exactly. Is this it? Is this is this where you were? Well, I think I think people don't really get in. So we have those loyal fans mm-hmm. who have bitten in to Glitter and Gay. Yeah. And we love you guys. And <laughs> and we know you. Yeah. Like like our audience is intimate. Yeah. It it's honestly it's intimate in size, but it like these people don't think anything about DMing us. No. Um, and it's almost like we're on a first name basis with them. Yeah. We like, had dinner with some last night. Like, yeah, <laughs> like really. Um and and I just I don't ever want to take for granted where I am in my life and where I am in other people's lives. Right. And so, you know, I just want to kind of keep that in mind. It's all, it's all good and fun, but I was just, I don't know. I was just thinking about that. And does it have you in your head a little bit? Well, I think it probably has me in my head for a couple of different reasons because, you know, there's, there's someone who's special to me and, you know, I just thought, okay, if he heard it or one of his friends heard it, you know, what would they, what would the reflection of that be? And so I was just like, I want to kind of think through that because you remember on season one, you were in a relationship Mm -hmm. and then when you, and then when you listened to it back and you were no longer in that relationship, how you kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was definitely and stomach so, turning. Yeah. So that's just, I just want to think about that. And then, and I want to be, you know, empathetic to that. Um, but my daughter, Victoria, she had reached out to me or she had posted something because she has a podcast with her girlfriend. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Go- gossip committee. The gossip committee. Is yeah. it real estate or is no, it just? No, it's just, it's mom talk, girl talk. Oh, I love that. And so um, she has this podcast and she posted something that someone had said they were appalled, that it was cringeworthy. And of course I picked up the phone and I called her. Who said that? Who, you tell me, tell mom that you're triggered no shit, I'm triggered, you know, and, um, you know, we talked a little bit about it and she told me who had, who'd made the comment. And of course, you know, I, you know, unloaded, invented and blah, 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 blah. And I said to her, I said, I said, you know, Victoria, I said, I'm going to tell you what I would tell myself. Right. And that is, do you Live in your truth. No matter how good or bad that is your truth, I would just say, you know how you feel when you're attacked. Don't attack someone else while you're living in your truth. But live in your truth and be true to yourself, period. And so I would echo that advice 
right back to you, right? Yeah. Because our truth changes. Yeah. It, it does. You know, I've learned things that have completely changed my mind about uh, very important social causes that I used to not understand. And as I got educated, I was like, okay, now I get it. So if you had asked me that question three months ago, when I knew less, my opinion was different. Yeah. Or when my life was different, then my opinion was different. And the funny thing is, is, you know, going back to in season one, when I was talking about stomatis a lot, and then listening back to it, I was like, <clears throat> and then so in season two, I edited myself, you know, I was like, okay, I was like, I'm not gonna, I was like, I'm gonna be very careful. I don't want to listen to things that I later regret. I've since learned that that's always a mistake. Yeah. You always just, where you are is where you are at the time. These are not live episodes. But the lesson now is, do you know that Stimatis and I have built a beautiful friendship? We talk almost every day. I give him advice on his career stuff. We talk about sobriety stuff. And it's a really beautiful relationship. I can actually say with the exception of one ex, I'm very close with everybody I've dated. There were a few people that I talked about as like summer flings last summer. Three of them are big parts of my social life now, you know, and the and who knows, maybe by the time this airs, which I actually think this is going to air pretty quickly. But <laughs> like but, maybe next week, or like maybe, <laughs> ne- maybe next week, uh, you know, who knows, maybe by then uh, I will have said something that makes Stamatis angry and we're not friends. And then, you know, so maybe next week when this airs, my truth is that we're not talking almost every day and checking in on each other um, and not with any romantic involvement. Right. Like. We're just two people who still care about each other, but don't want to spend our lives together, you know, but that doesn't mean that I don't think he's amazing and he doesn't think I'm amazing. And so, uh, you know, the reality of the situation has changed and will continue to change, right? And so we can't constantly be editing our actions in the moment based on a hypothetical future. Um, Ooh, Say that again for the people in the back. We cannot be constantly editing our actions in the moment based on a hypothetical future. Oh, my stars. I love that. And do you know, I I have to say that just rolled off the tongue. I hadn't heard that before, and I don't think I've said it before. I'm... You know, one thing, as uh, we're at the beginning of 2023 right now. Yeah. And... I'm a big goal setter. Yeah. I'm a big visionary. And and I love that part of me. You know, and the especially the visionary part of me. Visualization is a huge part of what keeps me going. And right now, you know, we're down here in Palm Beach. And the big difference between Palm Beach and the Hamptons is the castles are on full display down here. Yeah. You know, in the, <laughs> in the Hamptons, the only way you see it is if you're buying it or you're showing it or you're invited to a party there. But driving down the street, you cannot see the estates because of the landscaping. Here, people don't do the landscaping because it blocks their views of the water. <laughs> and so, you know, we drive around. And when I see these homes, I visualize myself selling them. I visualize myself buying one. I visualize myself living in one. 
And having a place, I was like, what would I do with a place that that's big? And I was like, oh, I would throw huge charity functions and I would have a house full of friends all the time. And, you know, like if I was down here right now, you know, my my brother, his wife and their baby would be staying with me and the house would be so big that it wouldn't bother me. Like if somebody stayed with me in this house, it's a cute house, but if somebody stayed with me here for like a month, I would... Um, burn the place down because because that's my personality but is that why you put me in the casita out back oh everybody stays in the casita honey (laughs) everybody stays in the casita you know so there's three bathrooms and i have taken over both bathrooms because my skincare regime is is quite involved so i like a skincare regime when i'm getting out of the shower and like my pores are open and then but that place is always steamy so then you know, I've started a new thing of men's makeup and I have like a full face of makeup. So I do that in the guest bathroom because then all the steam is gone and I can just put on my makeup without it getting all steamy and messy. We'll maybe talk about the makeup routine later. We have got to talk about skincare and makeup and hair. Yeah. Because that's another thing that I, that I either get a lot of love or a lot of heat on is the whole hair thing. <laughs> So I, but to finish my thought on the visualization and the intention setting, I had a pretty um, remarkable morning yesterday because I woke up, then this happens to me, and I have been riding a high for like a month where every day I wake up and I'm like, this is, this is it. And I keep looking at 2023 and I'm like, it's my year. It's my year of me, not necessarily of public image Tyler it's like self-love Tyler and just working on myself and and growing my empire and you know I started to really think I was like oh I want to have all of my big businesses in place and thriving by the time I turn 40 you know which means I've got three years and um and they'll continue to grow from there but I was like these are my three years of massive action and massive effort and but I woke up yesterday in this indescribable fear. And it was just how I felt when I woke up. You know, I my eyes opened and my first thing I thought of was, oh, what if the market is not supporting the business that I need to hit my goals and do all the things that I want to do? And then, you know, and then it just starts going backwards and worse. And, you know, it's like that Jim Rohn thing. It's like every negative thought you have affects the rest of your thoughts. And so that was that was the spiral I was on. And I was proud of myself because I don't always do this. But I was like, but okay, I'm not having this kind of day. Glinda's going to be here in a couple of hours <laughs> and like we're going to have a damn good time. And so I uh, got out my journal. I wrote my gratitude list. I wrote a journal entry about about the fears that I was feeling and how ridiculous they are and all the different things that I've survived. And I was like, if you can survive that, much like you were saying earlier, the journey from there to here was huge. The journey from here to where I want to be is is a teeny tiny step in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and um, and so I wrote down this list. I went back and read old entries to remind me of like some of the things that I've said previously that are in. It's just fun of like, oh, I remember that day actually. I remember how I was feeling and like going back and reflecting that. And then I pulled out this Jay Shetty meditation. And, um, and I don't usually do his meditations. I use the calm app if I'm going to do it and I just play whatever's next, but his name, I think he's like a guest meditator on the calm app. He's going to be in Atlanta. 
live. Oh my God, I love him. At the Atlanta Symphony. Oh, get your tickets now. Uh, I was thinking about going. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, he's he's incredible. His ability to connect story and reality to the message is uh, is something I try to emulate in, in the work that we do and on my socials. And he opens it up with goals and working towards something that you really want. And he said, what you are focusing on dramatically changes the results of the process. And the first story he told was a story of this uh, female runner athlete in the Olympics in 2012. I can't remember what her name was. And she was, it was like a sprint race and she was down at the, the start of it. And when she uh, looked up, her first thing was, I cannot lose. I cannot lose. And she takes off running, head down, and crosses the finish line. And she looks up, and she's won gold. You know, she won. And when he talked to her, her feeling was not this elation of, oh, my gosh, I just won gold. I just, you know, I just got this huge achievement. It was relief. You know, it was like, oh, thank God. I didn't lose again. I didn't lose again. And and he said, that's the difference in so many people's goal setting that is actually problematic. Because he was like, if her goals were set on achieving greatness and doing her best, then the whole journey would have been much more enjoyable. And then he goes on to tell a story about students, like college students preparing for a test. And he said, there's like scientific evidence between the students when they're studying for a test, he's like, some of the students are studying from the perspective of, I can't fail this. I need to pass this class. I need my GPA to stay at a certain number, whatever. And so they cram for the test and they get it in. And then there's also the student taking the same class who is studying for the test with a goal of, I'm really passionate about this material and I want to master it. I want to know this with my eyes closed. I want to be able to teach this and use this in my business. And those people get so much more joy and understand the material so much better because their goal is different. Their goal isn't to pass a test because they can't fail. Their goal is to master material. And I started thinking about it because like when I'm setting my financial goals and like my my business goals for the year sometimes not I wouldn't say sometimes I would say so sometimes I'm in the positive side I'm like gosh I want to meet so many people and I want to help so many people find the home of their dreams and make the biggest investment of their life that could change their their life path forever and their family legacy you know people do that through real estate and I get in that space sometimes but sometimes I come from the lack and I'm like okay, I need to sell X amount because my overhead is this and I don't want to fall behind and start living off of my savings. And so I need to sell this to make sure that all of my numbers are met. And it's so much more stressful. It's so much more stressful because I'm constantly thinking about like, what happens if I don't hit my numbers? What happens if I don't sell this many homes? Like, is my business going to crumble? Am I going to be able to buy the things I want to buy? Am I going to be able to continue doing this horse life that costs me so much damn money, but I love it so much. Like nothing has ever made me so happy. But um, it was just such a gentle reminder of 
like, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you moving towards these things? And um, I just started this book, Shoe Dog, the story of Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. And I've literally, I started it this morning. I'm doing 75 hard. So I was doing like my 10 pages of reading. And he was telling the story of when he first decided he wanted to sell shoes and he had graduated. He did a little stint in the army and he was now back living with his parents. And, um, and the word that came to his mind is I want to play. I want to have fun. I want to do something that I love. And running was his passion. And I think about that in real estate. Like I feel like you and I, we play oh, yeah. in real estate. It's not, it's, it, do, it doesn't, I was sitting here, I was thinking to myself, when you were talking, I was thinking, it doesn't need, like it doesn't feel like work. People are like, "Oh, are, is Palm Beach is that like uh, for fun or or for work?" And I'm like, "Well, I I guess it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's a lot of bit of both. But <laughs> but t- like, this is not work to me. I know because I get like like like. Do you realize like I'm in awe of you." Honey, I am in awe of you. And, like, I get to hang out with you. And I was just like, you know, people ask me all the time. They're like, they're like, you know, how do you, you know, you work all of the time. And I don't even realize it. And, like, I just thought to myself, like, last night, somebody said to me, oh, are you excited about your dinner? And and I said, and I said, yeah, I said, I'm excited, um, but I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what to expect. So it's, I'm like having kind of, I'm having trouble kind of like getting into it mentally. And I also didn't know what to expect from that dinner. We yeah. should have talked about it going in. I we was should like, have. But it was fun. No, but <laughs> this is the thing is it was so organic. Mm-hmm. And the comment that I made to him was, um, was you know, I, I always like to know what to expect when I'm walking into a situation. And he goes, well, do you not know what to expect? And I said, the only thing I know is that I'm going to get to have dinner with three people that Tyler and I mean a lot to them. And they're driving a long way to spend some time with us. And I'm excited about that. And so for me, when people say, you know, um, is it work or play, especially the time I get to spend with you, it's like the best, the best of both worlds. So I, I couldn't, I, I, you could, I couldn't have said it any better. Pineapple. Well, I, I was just about to say, we don't have voicemails. No, you know, we, we don't. Oh, shit. We don't have we, voicemails. And so I'm like feeling awkward about wrapping up. And as I was but thinking about it. do you realize it, this is a really long episode? I mean, it's not that long. It is. Long. I've, I've been watching the clock behind your head. It's, we're at 39 minutes. Oh, is it? Yeah. Only 39 minutes? So, okay. <laughs> so I want to finish by acknowledging and asking you a question. Because 2022 was the year of Glenda Baker. It was so exciting as your friend, as somebody who is in your corner, 
and so proud of you. And, you know, I've been loving you since the first moment I laid eyes on you in 2016 and felt some of that energy and knew that you were destined for greatness. And to see, I mean, we talked last night, you did 130,000 travel miles domestic because you were speaking constantly. I mean, you are one of the most sought after people, if not the most sought after person in real estate right now to come give speeches, to come talk about what you've done. And, you know, when I think about it, it's because it's kind of like what made Oprah so special. Oprah was one of us. You know what I mean? She, she was a woman who had lived a life and was a great storyteller and a great speaker and you can feel what she says and like that's the quality that Glenda Baker has and you're also really funny. We did get into a slight tiff last night over who's funnier Uh, so maybe we'll pull the audience later (laughs) but you know and for me knowing you and being in your presence my thing is you're just getting started. You know what I mean? This is, you're, you're still, I feel like you're still on the launch pad and the people are just starting to gather and it's a huge, huge gathering so far, but, but I think it's just at the beginning. So I'm curious if you're willing to share and you're actually, I give you full permission to say that's just for me because this might be, this is just for me. But when Glenda Baker is visualizing, what's, what's the dream for where this goes for you, what this becomes. So on October 14th, I was at a Jason Aldean concert at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. And the stage is set and all of the lights go dark. I mean, it's come pitch black. And the song that he sings, Lights Come On, comes on. But nobody's on the stage. It's like they're playing it on the speakers. And they go through the first part of the song. And then the chorus comes up and the lights come on. And those words, Mm -hmm. and then simultaneously the lights come on in this arena and it's sold out and there are people standing in this arena just waiting for this band and they take the stage and finish the song live. And I took a picture of the lit arena. And I put that on my vision board. And I said, in 2023, I'm going to walk out. And the lights are going to come on. And I'm going to have the opportunity to impact an arena like this with my words. And so I think about it. Every day when I wake up, the first song that I play on my podcast, on my Sonos is the lights come on Mm -hmm. and 
that's that's the theme that's the vision because i am that everyday person i am that everyday real estate agent i am that everyday divorced woman and i want everybody women men i want everybody to know that they can do it just like i did it mhm and they can learn every day and they can grow every day and they can be loved every day and they can love people every day. And I don't want anybody to ever walk away from being with me and not know how special they were to me and how special that moment was. So stringing a lifetime of those moments for myself and other people together, that's the vision. Can I make one request? free backstage passes. <laughs> I'm like I I'm in the band. I'm with the band. I know her. I learned so much about myself at that. Now I've never seen Jason Aldean in concert. Um yes, I liked his music, but he wasn't like like in my top 5 of people mm-hmm. that I loved. And I learned just so many interesting things. That now, and Nashville's three hours from me. In my, I can drive it there in three right. hours. And so now, rather than going to a concert at State Farm, I'd much rather go to the concert at Bridgestone. Just because of the acoustics and the vibe and the feel and the seating and everything. It just felt so much better. Um, but it, it takes me back to that moment with Jason Aldean. Wasn't it Travis Tritt? You said is yeah is, is a listener. He's a he's a Glenderati. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, how do you think he's gonna feel <laughs> with, <laughs> with all of this, Jason Aldean? <laughs> you know who know who knows? But you know, I actually I'm speaking in Nashville on um, March the 30th, and I'm like, wait a minute, because I had looked at the Bridgestone calendar, and I'm like, wait a minute, I think Kane Brown is there on the 31st. So I already bought my tickets for Kane Brown. You know, what if that song, what if that I talked about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. What if that. My power song is come alive from the greatest showman. Oh, really? Do you, uh-huh. do, let's talk uh, next time. Next time. I was next, like, time. next time, girl. Stop. Now, now it has Stop, Glenda. <laughs> Stop. She's like, you know what? Let me tell you what's up. No. All right, everybody. Let's talk about that though. But I do want people to know you're in for a few treats. We are doing something we've never done before over the next few episodes. This is kind of like the interlude between season two and season three. Right. Um, Denver is in China. I'm in Florida. My video people live in New York and Glinda's (laughs) in Atlanta. So it takes an army to get this shit together. And we're doing a few homemade episodes. Yeah. But um, because there wasn't a gap for them. For the sparklers. We did not want the sparklers. No, we're having too much fun together. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so we have some really special interviews coming up. I'm so um, excited. With uh, people from all different aspects of uh, of business. And I want to focus my conversations with them on what they've overcome and how they did it more so than what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited for people to be able to tune in for that. Yeah. And uh, that starts. Next week. Does it start next week? I, I, thought mean, we ha- I thought we had one more episode of just me and you. Well, I thought, listen, I might have misspoke, people. We'll figure it out. But at some point, we're going to have guests. <laughs> we're going to have guests. <laughs> Stay tuned. Aren't we doing a live episode in New York of, of Glitter and Gay? 
Giselle is trying to make that happen. Um, the Colony wants us to do a live episode here in Palm Beach. Um, so you're probably going to have to fly back at some point. Oh, oh Poor stars. Thing. All right. Okay. We're giving them too much. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.